calm down, dear. Calm down. Calm down. Can you calm down for a second? Calm down. Now get back to your seat. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. I want you to know that I am more offended as an African-American woman than you will ever be. And don't talk to me about the fact that we don't understand what happens on the automobile. No, I will not yield. I hear you were terrorizing Mr. Morgan's class again. People perceive you as somewhat tempestuous. You might want to work on that. Hysterical, shrill, crazy, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. These are just some of the ways we describe women when they get angry, and there are, of course, worse ways. Why do we belittle, fear, or just plain dismiss a woman's rage? What are the consequences of doing so? All this week on The Takeaway, we've got a new series we're calling Hysterical, Women and Rage, looking at exactly why angry women are often treated differently than angry men. And to kick things off, we've assembled a roundtable of women who are experts on the topic. Soraya Shamali. Her forthcoming book is called Rage Becomes Her. Writer and actor Mara Wilson wrote a piece for Elle this spring called What If Girls Knew They Were Allowed to Be Angry? And Brittany Cooper recently wrote a book called Eloquent Rage, A Black Feminist Discovers Her Superpower. Many women struggle with the way that being called angry women means that you're treated as though you're being irrational. Um, so there's a way in which anger is feminized as an illogical response. And then we get to the angry black woman stereotype where you're seen as rash, brash, untrustworthy, frankly, dangerous, volatile. So there is a way that we are conditioned, particularly as women, also as people of color, to distrust anger, to see it as a destructive force and to really suppress it for fear that we won't be taken seriously in our work and even in our politics. And Mara, you wrote a piece about essentially learning to when you were allowed or not allowed to be angry. When did you realize that anger for you was perceived as a bad thing? I think I learned it at a very young age. My my mother was somebody who could feel a lot of anger, and I think she used it in in really uh, in righteous ways. She tried to advocate for justice in our community all the time, and I I saw that. But I feel like I felt a little uneasy with my own anger because while I could see that my mother could channel it in this constructive way. I saw people seemed scared or confused or they just thought that it was odd that I was angry. I think girls are socialized to... I think that they aren't expected to be angry. They can have other emotions to some degree, but they cannot be angry. I think uh, with boys, I think it's the opposite, that they are only expected to be angry and not to show any other emotions. Soraya, where do you think... We or why are women sort of grappling with the or, or maybe not just women, but why are we as a society grappling with the idea that anger is illegitimate for us to experience? Well, we know that biases, uh, parental biases, so very early on in the home before kids even get to school, uh, predispose people to attribute sadness to infants that are girls when they're agitated, but anger to boys. And um, to encourage girls to use their quote-unquote nice voices three to four times as uh, often as they do boys. And Mara really hit it on the head when she said that girls are 
taught about a whole range of emotions and of emotionality in general, but distinctly not talked to about anger, whereas boys are left bereft of much more robust understandings of their emotions, but specifically talked to about anger. One of the things I'm thinking as I'm listening to Soraya is that in some ways, we simply need an argument for a better model around anger. Mm-hmm. So for me, part of the reason that I feared my anger wasn't so much about what other people said, but about the fact that I had seen um, destructive anger in my own family. I had seen my father's anger and the way that it created chaos. Um, and so coming to have like a gendered analysis of that and understanding that in many ways, that is the way that men use anger to assert power and that so much of our scripts around anger come from toxic toxic masculinity and recognizing that if you actually look, it's not to say that women are pure users of anger, but to say that we have a better track record, that our anger typically empowers uh, or powers a response to injustice. Mara, I'm curious too about um, right when you wrote this piece, did, we were talking about race and, and anger here. As a white woman, do you feel that you're allowed in some implicit or explicit ways to express frustration, anger, and rage more than perhaps women of color? Or do you not see any uh, distinctions? I do think, yes, I do think that that we are. I do think that we are, we tend to be forgiven more for for transgressions, for, for saying things. You know, the things that I, I heard a lot were things like, boys don't like that. Don't be angry. Boys don't like that. But I think that what I have seen and heard from women of color is that these these girls are not allowed to be children. They're not allowed to be girls. They're not allowed to be angry. There's so much that they're just not allowed to be. You know, I've been thinking about this because, you know, we've had this rash of white women calling the police on on black folks and brown folks. Um, And so, Mar, you make this really good point about white femininity and the like limitations of white femininity, all the things that white women are not allowed to do. And so it's interesting because it's like white women have lots of rage. Some of it is righteous, but some of it is deeply racist and classist, frankly. And so then what happens is that they're using the police to sort of come in and do the work of the destructive work of white female anger. Police state violence is a masculinist form of violence. And so part of the problem is also that white femininity often colludes on behalf of rage. So they won't enact violence themselves, but they will at strategic moments, call in the masculine reinforcers in the name of the police. And so it's a really interesting race-gender dynamic, and I think we've talked a lot in the media about it as a racial issue, but it's also a gender issue. It's a way that white women know that they can sort of use the distress call of what I like to call in my book, white girl tears, um, to sort of enact violence on people of color without having to be accountable for it. Soraya, what are are your thoughts on that? You know, I think it's it's really interesting because to me, each of these incidents is a microcosm of what happened during the election, because the white women voters who supported Donald Trump's campaign were supporting a toxic white male supremacist border mentality, right? A, a lot of the time, because white women benefit from white supremacy, there's a lack of understanding maybe of sometimes what is extreme gender inequality, particularly in the home or in religious institutions. And faced with uh, examples of gender inequality, people tend to double down. Mm -hmm. I want these rules. I want these lines. I can play off of this sense of my own innocence and vulnerability to call in the police. And 
that's all to me, you know, one example after another of what we see writ large in the political system. It infuriates me when the requirement is that you perform some traditionally feminine Mm -hmm. role in order to Mm. be perceived um, as legitimate. You know, I have been saying more recently, part of the problem here is not that anger is a feeling, but rather that when you are white or male, your feelings get treated as facts. And when you are female or black or brown, your facts get treated as mere feelings, as mere emotions that we can't, you know, tie to any level of reality. Mara, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that I have seen a lot of women struggle with their anger in a way. And what ends up happening is they end up taking it out on other women. I think that they feel powerless. They feel frustrated. And, you know, you there is this idea of, of where is it going to go? And it can hurt themselves and it can hurt other women, too. It's it's when they are in this frustrated place that they will end up doing that. And I think that that's a serious danger. We, we talk about the fact that, you know, girls are mean to each other, but we never talk about why, I think. And that is something that I have been thinking about <laughs> since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I saw this sort of misplaced anger go there. And that can that is something that I think is is a dangerous thing. Well, and there's also the the sort of going back to the idea that, you know, women essentially today are saying, you know what, I'm angry. And here it is. I'd love for us to wrap with thinking How do we as women more broadly begin to do that? Do we need advice? Do we need permission? Or do we just own it and say, you know what? I'm rageful. I'm angry. And it's really your problem, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, this is Soraya. Yes, I would say that that's a good first start, but <laughs> I think that's really hard hard for people. I think for for me, one of the important things to do, uh, particularly, I think for young women and girls, is to be comfortable with discomfort. Be comfortable. Yes with not pleasing people, which is a mandate for us, right? We're supposed to care for people and make people around us happy and comfortable and understand that you will cause discomfort in the people around you, but that that's all right because actually in the discomfort can come more intimacy, better communication, a fairer, more equitable relationship or society. But getting comfortable with discomfort is, I think, very necessary for the whole society. Mara? Yes, I think that also we need to think about how we acknowledge anger. I think that there's a lot of, oh, well, you're just angry, you're being illogical, you're being, or or anger in women is ridiculed. And I think that one of the most important things you can do is when somebody is angry, you can acknowledge that they're angry. It is uncomfortable, but I think as Soraya says, it's a discomfort that we need to learn to live with. Yeah, you know, I actually want to put a call out to parents to say, make space for your children's anger, to sh- model for them safe ways that their anger can can be a part of their lives and doesn't have to be destructive. I don't think you should let your children <laughs> slam doors in your house, but you can let them walk away and feel their feelings and give them some parameters. I feel like even just that little shift, and my mother is my hero, but that little shift might have given me the space as a kid to have a healthier relationship to my anger much earlier. And also, yes, be unapologetic. If you're a grown person, be unapologetic. You have the right to your anger. What you don't have the right to do is destroy anything, but you absolutely have the right to use that energy as a superpower. Brittany, Soraya, Mara, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts and your insights on this really important topic. Thank you. Thank you you very much for bringing us all together.
Mara Wilson is a writer and actor, and you can subscribe to her newsletter on Substack. Soraya Shamali is the director of the Women's Media Center Speech Project, and her forthcoming book is called Rage Becomes Her. And Brittany Cooper is the author of Eloquent Rage, A Black Feminist Discovers Her Superpower. And all this week, as a bonus, we've asked every guest for a song by a woman that they like to rage to. Here's Brittany Cooper's. Sorry, I ain't sorry. I'm sorry. I ain't sorry. To hear Soraya and Mara's songs and some picks from the Takeaway staff, head to our website, thetakeaway.org. We've linked to a Spotify playlist. And let us know what your favorite song by a woman or women is to rage to. Tweet us at The Takeaway and we'll add it to the list. And a note to parents, when you're singing about rage, it might be hard to keep your language in check, so you might want to take a peek at the playlist before you hit play. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts.